Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And what they believed was the story of the resurrection, which we find in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them he had said these things to her. The word of our Lord.
much, Blake and Kevin. He is risen. risen Indeed. Indeed. Amen. So we're going to take uh, some time to look into God's word. You heard uh, the passage read from John chapter 20, and that's what I'm going to focus on today. And I entitled this Living Light. What is living light? What does that mean? Uh, my, my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, just came back from uh, New York City, Boston, Washington, D.C., and uh, we're actually leaving tonight to go back to New York City. So whatever time zone she's in, she can just stay there. Uh, but one of the things I've learned about traveling is to travel light. How many do you do much traveling? Anybody else going away on vacation or anything like that this week? Yeah? Okay. So you know what I mean, traveling light. And if you travel light, it's a good thing because you're able to uh, focus a little more on the things around you. You don't worry about you know, your baggage. You're less likely to pull a muscle or strain your back or something, right? And in the same way, we need to live light. We need to get rid of the baggage that we are carrying so that we can engage in the world that God has given to us and really enjoy this life. But there's another meaning to living light that I also want to bring to your attention. Uh, how many of you read The Hunger Games or seen the movie? Yeah, a few of you? Okay. It occurs to me that it's kind of strange to think that in the wealthiest, most affluent nation on earth, somebody would think of such a dark, dystopian future. And I thought, what is Suzanne Collins uh, lived in Uganda or the Congo or North Korea, would she still be writing books about that sort of a, a dark kind of future? Do people from such dark backgrounds write about such a dark world? I went to a Messiah sing-along on Monday night. And I ran into a couple of my friends there. Uh, they're both great musicians. This was a sing-along, so we all sing. And uh, the, uh, the husband is a great jazz pianist. I mean, that, he can play all kinds of great stuff. He's got a little studio in his garage. Uh, the, the wife is a piano teacher, uh, choir director. They both love music. And they are people who just glow. They're so full of joy. And it was great to go with, uh, to see them there, and I had Joshua with me. Last year, Joshua endured three and a half hours of music in German. He went to hear the St. Matthew Passion with me by Bach. This time, he got to sing along, so it was great. He got a chance to sing. And uh, my friend Nurses, uh, the husband, he was so happy to see Josh there. Now, um, and, and they're just glowing. Now, this is not an extrovert-introvert sort of thing either because Nurses, the husband, is an extrovert, and he's just, oh, Josh, so good to see you. Savan is an introvert, and she's quiet. But as she smiled at us, just glowed. As a matter of fact, uh, halfway through, there's an intermission, and, uh, and Nurses told me, you know, Savan, half the time she's been crying. Not tears of sadness, but tears of joy. Both of them grew up in Syria, Lebanon. They part of a persecuted minority of Christians, also part of a persecuted minority. They're both Armenian. 
And they come out of this very, very dark background. And the reason Savan is crying is because she's so filled with joy to actually hear the Messiah played by a live orchestra and sung by a choir, which was all of us. And it just overwhelmed her. And I thought, here is somebody who comes from such a dark background and yet is so full of light for, for me, for everybody around them. On Tuesday, I was praying, and this is a, a prayer that I, I, I read and used that morning. And here's how it goes. In God's loving presence, I unwind the past day, starting from now and looking back moment by moment. I gather in all the goodness and light in gratitude. I attend to the shadows and what they say to me, seeking healing, courage, and forgiveness. All of us have shadows within us as well as light. My friends were people who were so full of light, even though they came from a place of such shadow. And it made me think, how do I become a person like that who is so full of light? How can I be a person of living light? In the gospel reading that we heard earlier in John chapter 20, we were introduced to three people. We saw Peter. We saw John. Now, John doesn't refer to himself by name. He just says, the other disciple. Okay, but that's John. He's the writer. And Mary Magdalene. And we see their reaction to these events of that day. Now, we would look back on that and say, these are the events of the resurrection. But they don't know that yet. And so they only know, Peter and John only know what Mary has told them. And at the beginning of the passage, you see that Mary has seen, she's been to the tomb. She's seen that the body is gone. She runs back to the other disciples and say, they've taken away Jesus. Now, what sort of demeanor does she have when she tells them this? She's sad. She's grieving. This is a terrible, terrible day for her because not only is she grieving, but now somebody has taken away the body of the Lord. She can't even grieve the way that she wants to, the way that she has learned to grieve because the body is gone. Who would do such a thing? And so Peter and John, as some maybe the bolder disciples, you know, so they go running to the tomb to see, is this really true? Is the body really gone? Would somebody have done something so scandalous, something that's just so shameful, not even allowing them to grieve? They've taken the body. John gets there first. He peeks in. Peter's older and slower, but you know, like me. And then he, so he gets in there and he looks around. And he sees the body is gone. Then John finally goes in. And then it says, John believed. What did he believe? He didn't believe in the resurrection. That, he doesn't know that yet. He is believing the word of Mary, who had gone back to them and said, they've taken away the body of the Lord. Isn't it terrible? Isn't this catastrophic news? It's so bad. And now he believes. And so what does he do? And the passage tells us, he and Peter just 
went home. They didn't know what to do. They are scandalized, they are in shock, and they just leave. Luke gives us a commentary on this in Luke chapter uh, 24. It says that Peter went away wondering to himself what had happened. That's all he could do. Now Mary has been there once before. And so she decides, I'm going to stick around a little this time. I want, I want to grieve. I'm sorrowful. I'm so full of this overwhelming sorrow and sadness. I just need a moment here. And so she stays. And then these two angels, she sees the two angels. And they say to her, woman, why are you crying? It kind of reminds me of those reporters, you know, when you're at the scene of some terrible catastrophe, some tragic incident, you know, and they go running at someone with a mic, you know, so what are you feeling? <laughs> Come on, what do you think I'm feeling? And Mary says out loud the things that are causing this great grief and sorrow in her own heart. Not only is Jesus dead, my teacher the one whose words and whose life have given me hope. But now I can't even grieve because they have taken away his body. And she chokes back the tears as she answers them. And then she turns and she sees Jesus. But she doesn't recognize it as Jesus because her eyes are so filled with tears. Her sorrow is weighing on her so heavily. And she doesn't recognize Jesus until what? Until he says her name, Mary. And in that instant, everything changes. Everything changes for Mary. She goes from the darkness into the light. She goes from sorrow and tragedy into a sudden joy. When she goes back to the disciples to tell them at the end, of the passage. It says, so she runs back to tell them, I have seen the Lord. What sort of demeanor does she have now? Can you imagine the contrast between the first time she went to go tell them and the second time? I chose this title, Living Light, for three reasons. It has really three meanings. One is that Jesus is the living light. John also tells us at the beginning of his gospel, his account of Jesus' life, that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, the light was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not able to overcome it. The light of Jesus shines into our world, and darkness is not able to overcome it. His light cannot be overcome. As John says later in 1 John 4, verse 4, greater is the one who's in us than the one who's in the world. The darkness of the world is not able to overcome the light of Jesus. He is the living light. But there's a couple other meanings too. Some of us may be carrying a load of unbelief, of tragedy, of grief, and Jesus calls us to live light. Let go of the baggage. 
Let go of all that stuff that's weighing us down. He calls to us, come to me all who are weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. He wants us to take his yoke because he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Live light, he tells us. And the third thing is that then we can become people who are light to others. His living light can be expressed in our lives. And so right now, just as Jesus spoke to Mary, Jesus is speaking to us. Maybe you're hearing Jesus speaking to you right now. Maybe you heard it through the kids, something they said, something they sang, the scripture that you heard read, something that I've said. Or maybe it doesn't even have to do directly with anything that has been said. But Jesus is here and he's speaking to you. And somehow you know that. And he wants you to respond so you can receive his light and become someone who lives light. And maybe you're thinking, but I don't hear him. Now what do I do? And for some of us, especially you've grown up in the church, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, a follower of Jesus, and you say, I'm supposed to hear God. I'm supposed to hear Jesus' voice to me, but I'm not quite getting it. And so what do we do? We fake it. We pretend like we're hearing Jesus, but we're not really hearing it. I want you to reflect on these words. Um, Jack, can we go ahead and lower the screen and then show the slide? What, what sort of life are you living now? Are you living a life of light or are you living a life of shadows? Maybe this morning you got mad. Maybe there's some disappointment in your life. Maybe there's uh, some resentment towards somebody that you felt this morning. Maybe there's some grief in your life. These are the shadows. And this prayer then applies to us. In God's loving presence, I unwind the past days, starting from now and looking back moment by moment. Maybe you just have to look back to this morning. And I gather in all the goodness and light in gratitude. Jesus is speaking to us through the light. But guess what? I attend to the shadows and what they say to me, seeking healing, courage, forgiveness. God speaks to us through the shadows too. And this is something that I've been learning in my own life as a Christian. And I've been a Christian for many, many years. But this is one of those things that I'm learning, that there are so many shadows in my own life. And what God wants to do is shine his light on that. And the darkness is not going to overcome his light. But he can change us on the inside. Let's take a moment. You can reflect on this prayer, maybe especially on those last couple sections of this prayer. If you want to close your eyes, feel free to do that and ask God, how can I be a person of light? Show me the areas of shadow in my life. Shine your light on those areas and bring about your transformation. If you've never come to Jesus, for that light. I'm inviting you to come to him now.
and say, Lord Jesus, I know that you are the light. Shine your light on my life. Maybe I've been avoiding you all this time, but now I want that light. I want your living light in my life. Tell him that.